I wanted to get your perspective on growing up in Saudi because uh, looking at the Rotana I see today and the Rotana I've done my research on, I have a, t I have a respectfully tough time picturing you growing up in Saudi. <laughs> I mean, uh, so what's the question? What was it like growing up in Saudi? <laughs> yes, school, parents, social life. Did you feel like yeah, a bit of yeah. an outsider? Uh, did um, you fit in? Yeah, I mean, I went to Saudi schools and what that means is yani, I studied, you know, the, the, the curriculum that was given to us by the government that was very, very religious. You know, we had like six religion topics and um, it was segregated. It was an all girls school. And Saraha, I, 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 you know, I have this show called Fucked and Blessed, which we'll get into later, but I... That show is named that because I feel incredibly blessed to have grown up in Saudiya. Um, I felt a deep sense. I was religious growing up. I still am religious, but in a very different way. I I feel very lucky to have uh, been in the environment that I was because I really maintained my innocence. And when I say innocence, it's like my ability to know that my worth is inherent, my ability to have fun without a vice. Um, that really, like, I developed that because of the environment that I grew up in. I, I understood what it meant to be, um, to hold life to be sacred, you know, to hold my body to be sacred. I understood, um, I understood the value of ritual. Um, and so these are things that I feel incredibly blessed to have grown up with. And also I felt a deep sense of belonging. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that religion undeniably does is is tie you to people in community and you take care of one another. So I fucking love that shit. And I still love that. Um, I still love it. And then, of course, on the other side. And so, like, I had friends and we were I I had such an innocent upbringing. Like I snuck out and I had a boyfriend. But other than that, it was just super innocent. And I'm I love that. So I did feel a deep sense of belonging. And at the same time, of course, I had like a dual identity. I mean, it's undeniable that um, especially when I was growing up at the time, you there was no music in public places. Women couldn't sing. Um, you couldn't show your body in any way. And uh, I've always been aware of my body and its sexuality and the power that that holds. And so, yeah, in the privacy of my own room, I was dancing and moving like an animal and 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 masturbating and learning my body and I believed that I was the worst person in the world because I was doing those things I also knew that I also knew that there was nothing wrong with it so I yeah and he developed this extreme cognitive spiritual sexual dissonance from a very young age uh, which I think so many of us do from the Arab world that's interesting because you say you you developed this cognitive dissonance but that must have been extremely difficult because i mean you know i grew up in lebanon and lebanon is a lot more liberal than saudi i think uh your journey of self-discovery and figuring it out what's good for you and what doesn't work for you and and your ideology is, is a lot probably easier than saudi i think in terms of i just feel saudi's more institutionalized so so how do you think you you managed to discover that was it were you consuming content from the west that was i don't know opening up your eyes or was it a personal thing or that's a really good question i think that i think that first and foremost it's inherent in all of us um to be connected to our bodies and our sexuality especially for women or women identifying beings it's super inherent in us to understand like we make we we fucking make life 
And that is a product of our sexuality. All right, and you so don't need it, to rub it in my face. I get I'm it, you guys make that. We help with we help with I'm making just, life you too. Help. I mean, give us a bit you of credit. Help. I know I know men have not had the best of the 2010s right now, understandably so. But we we help. I mean, in the process. You're important. You're important. You're important too. But <laughs> yeah. but uh, the shit that goes down in our bodies is just like it's actual magic. You know, it's the thing that universes are made of. It's the big bang. It's creation energy and so i think it's inherent in all of us um that we understand that these bodies are fucking powerful and magical so that's one the second thing is yeah i mean uh my dad loved sade and sade changed my life like changed my life i i watching her perform i was like she's just the epitome of sensuality but also she's like talking to the universe and I don't know what the fuck is going on with Sade, but she really changed my life. And and then all, also Alanis Morissette, even though I never saw her visually, but listening to her music and watching, well, not watching, but listening to this woman fucking unleash her rage was super liberating for me. And it like spoke to the part of me that was like, oh, that knew that somehow I'm an animal too. And like, we're all animals. and. So I think a big part of it is inherent. I think it's part of my journey and who I was put on this earth to be. But but I suppressed it deeply. Like I said, Yanni, this was all in the privacy of my own room. This was not something that I showed anyone. Um, and it really wasn't until I moved to the States that I even allowed myself to think that this might be actually a beautiful and holy and, and, and a thing that's of service, you know? Mm. So what type of, because, I mean, that's, you know, it takes a lot of thinking and a lot of self-discovery to, to to deduce that. So obviously the people closest to you can help with that process. What about your parents? Were your parents like super laid back, super chill, liberal, uh, understanding, or were they more on the conservative side of things? My father is just such a badass. My dad is, uh, I consider my parents to be very liberal in in comparison to most people in Saudi Arabia especially at in the Saudi's, time that I was okay I was going to ask yeah yeah no in Saudi context uh, okay in Saudi context be... not like you know compared to the Dutch or anything but yeah no, I get what you mean no in Saudi context they're super okay. super liberal um bastaban yani and it's you know maybe one day I'll I'll feel ready to speak about it but like I've definitely far crossed the line of what they feel is right Mm. or okay or safe um but at the time growing up like i didn't have parents that told me that music was haram or you know your body was haram or any of that but i believed it they didn't need to fucking tell me i went to saudi schools like yeah you're surrounded by i mean i wanted i was exactly like i wanted to it's hedgeup can you hear me by the way we're breaking up yeah yeah i can hear you yeah yeah i can hear you I wanted to, I remember it was, uh, I think like 10th grade. And I told my dad, I was like, Baba, but hijab. And he was like, no fucking way. Daddy, if you still want to, the be next year, if you still want to cover, then fine. But give it a year. So, yeah, and I was really blessed to have grown up with parents that were liberal in that sense. Yeah, no, I mean, no, having parents who aren't, you know, they don't force their ideologies or their values onto you, I think is... It's definitely a blessing, especially considering that, you know, it was Saudi at the time. And something, obviously, for people who do know you, something you've embraced and you've mentioned here is 
being sexually liberated. Hello, you know, respectfully, Saudi girl and sexually liberated is not maybe two and two you put together usually. So I wanted to ask you, what were you or were you not taught about sexuality in Saudi growing up? What was I not taught about it? Or were taught about it, you know, could go both ways. I was not taught anything about sexuality. Okay, that's a pretty simple answer. Literally nothing. I mean, okay, they did teach us one thing, which was, um, you know, they taught us about our periods. They also taught us that it is our duty to uh, bring life into this world. It is our duty to please our husbands. Um, And (laughs) so basically we were taught that our pleasure is to serve God and men. That's all I was fucking taught. And it's such a shame. I am no scholar by any means, but I know that the Islam that I believe to be true is a very sex positive religion. We've unfortunately distorted it. But to answer your question, I didn't literally, I didn't learn shit about shit, like nothing, Mm. nothing. So what happens when you then go to the U.S.? You know, like you, you've learned nothing about, uh, you know, your sexuality and all of a sudden you get put into a country where, you know, the U.S. is fairly liberal, I guess you could say. So so was it like a culture shock? Um, yes and no. I mean, it, it, I, I grew up. I, I grew up coming to the States. I've been very privileged and I, I went to college here. So, um, we, we watched American shows and stuff. So it wasn't like, oh my God, I've never seen a woman's body before. Um, but, you know, I would actually argue with you that people and sexuality here isn't actually that liberated, contrary to what we might think. Like, and I'll get I'll get right. to your question in a second, but I just want to make sure that I hit this point, which is I thought that too. I was like, I'm gonna come to America and I'm gonna figure out my sexuality, and because people, women there are liberated and they get it, and I, they're gonna they're gonna teach me. I'm gonna figure it out from them. And I was very wrong because um, Audre Lord uh, teaches us this. She's a, Audre Lord is a black feminist activist, author, and she's passed, but. She has a whole essay about this called Uses of the Erotic, The Erotic is Power. And she talks about like, just because, just because someone's being sexual and they're wearing a thong and they're like twerking to wop, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But that a lot of times, and I'm not saying this is Cardi B, maybe Cardi B has her shit. I mean, you lock. said twerking to wop, so. Uh, maybe, you know, but listen. Shots fired. May, shot, no, 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 Anjad, no. Maybe, let me finish. So, <laughs> okay. You can do that, but the question is like, sex is everywhere, right? But when you are expressing your sexuality, are you in deep feeling? Like, are you deeply feeling what you're doing? Do you understand why you're doing it? Do you understand who you're serving? Are you strictly doing this for the male gaze? Does it make you feel powerful? Does it make you feel, you know, all of these questions that we don't fucking ask ourselves, but that is true liberation. And like Audre Lorde talks about it, it's like that is there's sensation without deep feeling and that veers on the edge of pornographic. Like that's what porn is essentially. It's sensation without deep feeling. There's new types of porn and people that genuinely love. I'm not talking about that. Um, So I just want to say that 
America hasn't figured it out either. <laughs> yeah, it's two. Um, it's maybe two different ends of the spectrum. But it's it's interesting what you said because there's um there's this argument which is like pleasure versus happiness, and uh, pleasure can be very short lived and instantaneous and can fill yeah like a short term craving that you might have, and then happiness is completely defined as something a bit more uh, sustainable and long term and intrinsic. You know what I mean? So. So it's interesting that you you went really you I mean it's pretty deep rooted the kind of journey you went on to discover this, um, and I think that obviously you spoke very briefly about fucked and blessed. By the way, that's a <laughs> that's a really good name, I have to say. When I was telling it to the, to the boys who I, I record the podcast with, they're just like, yeah, we need to, she needs to trademark that name because that's that's a winner. Um, so would you mind telling I us actually, what? Actually, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, would you mind telling us what uh, fucked and blessed is about? Uh, yes. First of all, thank you. I, that name actually was born in a conversation between my dear friend, Dina Shahabi, who's an incredible, uh, Saudi actor and artist. Um, and we were sitting there talking about ugh, just our fathers and how restricted we felt. And we just came up with this saying like, God, we feel so fucked because we come from such a restrictive culture, but we also feel so blessed because of all the things that I had mentioned early. But it's funny because people think that it, that's not, you know, they think it means like you got fucked, but that's yeah, not that was, what it yeah, means. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest. I have a dirty mind. So that wasn't my first thought. My, my Every, first thought was Everyone that, yeah, has... Yeah a dirty mind and i says and a lot about our culture, no one yeah. will believe me that the, like i didn't intend or we didn't intend on that being what it meant but here we are and i'll probably be explaining it for the rest of my life and that's okay so fucked and blessed is really a product of everything that we talked about um i've been on this crazy journey of these you know opposing sides of me and the the inner battle of am I a terrible person? Is this wrong? It, like it just, it got to be way too much. And uh, actually a book that completely changed my life that the show is really inspired from is called Pleasure Activism by Adrienne Marie Brown. And she actually makes the argument, um, you know, it's interesting what you said about joy and pleasure. And I really truly believe, and she does as well, that like we need to reframe what it means to be in pleasure because pleasure in its essence really means anything that brings you contentment, satisfaction, and joy. And pleasure is meant to also be sustainable and to shoot far out in the future. And it's not meant to just be this like, you know, hit, hit it and quit it thing that like, and pleasure is everywhere. Anyways, Fucked and Blessed is a straight to camera educational comedy series where I talk about all of the shit that nobody told me anything about. You know, that I was deeply confused and at war with myself about. Um, we talk about pleasure, sexuality, eroticism, consent, uh, boundaries, our periods, arousal, non-concordance, like all of why repressing sex does not work. All of these things that I wish someone had told me anything about. So it's, yeah, it's just basically me talking to a camera and sharing all the things that I've learned, you know, and kind of just stumbling through it all. So I, I state very, very clearly in the show that I am by no means an expert. And mm. the whole point for me of creating this show was I couldn't find the voices in the conversation of body liberation and sexuality that were stumbling through it. The voices that I found were Western and they were fully realized. Um, and even if they weren't Western, they're just these 
incredible people that were like, Halas, I'm, I'm liberated, it's done. And I was like, where are the motherfuckers that are in process, you know? And so I really wanted to show, and I look back at the show now as a year ago, and I'm like, wow, baby Ro, you were so at the beginning of this journey. It's crazy how much can change in a year. But in addition to that, Yes, I did an incredible amount of research for each of these um, episodes. I read a ton of books, checked in with the experts in my life, and I'm currently training um, to become a sex doula. Um, and so... Se- wait, sorry, I, I have to interrupt you. This A sex doula, is that, that sounds like something B.I.G. would say, you know what I mean? Like a sex doula, you know what I mean? With that cadence that he has. So please explain to me what a sex doula is. It's definitely like it's definitely new terminology. I actually just like had a dream about it, and then I googled it, and I was like, like, and I found a program. But a sex doula is, you know, I don't even i i i prefer to not even use the word doula. Um, But I, it's essentially what I am learning how to do is teaching is teaching women and women identifying beings how to come back into like right relationship with their sexuality, how to you know, by using tools of meditation and breath and movement and, you know, all different sorts, sorts of exercises and therapy to really eliminate shame and come back to the understanding that your sexuality is a superpower. It's a gateway to the divine. It's a portal to healing your wounds and just like reframing sexuality and being like, this shit is not dirty. It's not gross. It's not bad. It's epic. And so I want to really guide women back to that experience of epicness. <laughs> that's what is. That's all sex is. It's all about yeah. It's all about epicness. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good slogan, a hundred percent. So is this mainly targeted for Middle Eastern women, or because obviously this you know a lot of this stems from your own personal experiences and seeing what isn't out there. Uh, so is this mainly for Arab and Middle Eastern women? I, I've only finished level one of the training. I'm, I'm learning from um, the organization is called the uh, National Black Doulas Association. So the women uh, and the woman teaching us is not Middle Eastern. I don't have any Middle Eastern teachers. Unfortunately, I have not found them yet. But that's part of my journey, you know, to really take this information, learn from it and tailor it for for Middle Eastern women or for anybody or for any woman really that has grown up in a very conservative, um, tightly wound environment. Because I think this spans really beyond Middle Eastern women. But, you know, I am, I am Saudi, I am Muslim, I use the Arabic language to express myself and I'm really excited to bring that you know, bring that into our sexuality. It's so rare that you even hear these words spoken in Arabic, you know? Mm. that's true 100 percent. no i think i mean i think the idea definitely would resonate with a lot of people in the region you know anna from 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 our end just from a personal perspective in lebanon we like to consider ourselves as fairly liberated and the mentality is free and open but it's a very hypocritical society so like the laws don't represent the culture and sometimes there's very big hypocrisies in the culture and a judgmental nature in our society so i think a lot of girls possibly even guys maybe i know uh could could like something like this and could relate to it and obviously the fact that you have your personality and you're bubbly and you're 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 relatable could also be you know a really cool experience it doesn't need to be 
this seedy, shameful topic. You know, it can be open and out there. And uh, I, you know, I I think I I think I saw something something I did want to ask you because uh, obviously you know moving on to the subject of of music. Um, you mentioned something previously that in Saudi Arabia, music is banned. I think everywhere or in most places. Hala, it's not anymore, which is amazing. Not anymore, yeah. But uh, when I was growing up, um, yeah, I mean, there were no concerts were banned. Like pu- you know, public gathering okay. with music was not. It's the hala and private parties, of course, people had music and there was radio and stuff. But like, yeah. you know, the, the yeah. do, uh, just public gatherings and concerts were banned. And as a woman, it was most definitely not allowed. Mm. You were not allowed to sing in public. And alhamdulillah, those things have changed. Um, but yeah, I grew up like it wasn't even a part of my, you know, it wasn't even a real dream for me to become a singer because it was so out of reach, you know. So given that context, what was the moment you were like, fuck, I can do this for a living and I'm going to pursue this dream? Uh, was well, it when you were in the U.S.? The financial part, we still have yet to figure out. I'm going to be very honest with you. <laughs> OK, that's um, yeah. honesty is good. People need but, to hear this. Yeah, yeah, like I'm not fucking swimming in it. It's the most, it's, this is the most challenging thing I've ever done. <laughs> like, um, it really is tough to be an independent artist. Um, but the moment that I realized that this is what I was supposed to be doing was, yeah, after I moved here, you know, I don't want to ask, I don't want to act like there's a moment. I think it's really important to say that because I don't, I think people think that there are these like big revelatory incidents that happen. And for me, it didn't happen like that. It was just this instinct where I knew that I needed to go to the States and try to sing. I had never written a song in my life. I had never fucking sang it like in public, n- never did a concert, anything. I just knew that I needed, I don't know. It was intuition. That's the power of intuition. And then I got here and really the thing that made me realize that this is what I was meant to be doing was that a, I felt fulfilled and B the universe kept bringing people towards me that taught me how to sing, that taught me how to perform, you know, like I really think that when you are on your path, shit comes to you, you know? Mm. Um, and I just, I know, and that's part of the beauty of me being becoming very connected to my body is that, I feel when I am aligned and I know Mm. that I'm most aligned when I'm making my music and doing my one woman show and doing fucked and blessed and having conversations like this with you. And, you know, I don't even see myself really as only a singer anymore. I'm just a, I'm a person that has shit to express and music is a marketing tool for that (laughs) expression. Mm. You know, I love to hear stories like this, especially from the Arab world, because, you know, we've spoken about this a lot on the podcast, but uh, you get a lot of stigma and a lot of shit for deviating from the norm. And obviously your story, you definitely deviated from the norm and you're pursuing your passion points and what makes you alive and what makes you feel fulfilled. And I also read that you had a you had a job at Aramco, which is like the fucking Disneyland for Saudi Arabians. <laughs> So for for Saudi people, so that's that's not an easy thing to give up to go and pursue something that's a lot riskier in a land that you technically have no connection with. You know, you're 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 kind of a deer in the headlights coming to the U.S. and discovering things for the first time. So I have a lot of respect for for taking those steps. I mean, it's it's big. And you said you're yeah, obviously fi- finances are a huge issue. It might not be paying off now. It might not be paying off in two three years. But with persistence and hard work, who the fuck knows? You know. 
Beloved, and the, it's been a really huge, first of all, thank you. And it's been, you know, I've had to really shatter my ego over and over and over again and come back to like, why am I doing this? Because it can't be for the, be for the money and it can't be for the fame or any, I don't even want to be fucking famous, but it can't be for validation, which is so fucking difficult because of course I want to be validated. Of course I want my show to be on TV. Of course, of course, of course. But if that's the reason that I'm not going to be able to do this, it's not sustainable, you know? And so the, I, I've learned that the why is so much more important than like the what, why mm. the fuck are you doing this? Mm. Yeah. And, um, I wanted to get your take on a few things. You're, um, for anyone who doesn't know your music, who hasn't seen your music videos, you are, as we've said, as has been a theme in this, in this talk, you're obviously very sexually liberated. And a lot of that comes out in, in your art and your music. Uh, I wanted to know, given some of the things I've, I've watched from you, what was the reaction like in Saudi Arabia? I'm guessing well, it wasn't great. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I, I think I really want to be careful to to say that it it was very nuanced. Like, it wasn't all one thing. And also, mm. let's be real, you know? So I, I, I want to say two things. I'm not sexually liberated yet. I'm on my way. I'm, and okay. I... And uh, when I just also want to clarify that when we talk about sexuality, for me, it's talking about embracing that we are wild, that we at our base are wild and have animal instincts. And um, that's a beautiful part of us. So the reaction, there's multiple things that I have released that, I mean, I don't even know how to bundle it up. It's like, do you want reaction from the culture, from family, from, I think that it can be, yeah, it can be anything. There's a if lot. Want, I can give you my, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. What your reaction was. I want to hear your reaction. I can give you my reaction. I mean, my reaction was, I no, I thought it was cool. I, I think, you know, okay. I don't want to, make it sound like I'm reading off of a black and white paper and just kind of, you know, maybe not giving it the justice that it deserves. But for me to see a girl from Saudi embrace her body and her art form and all of the elements that come attached to that was really cool because let's be real, it's not in the norm of things like in the Middle East. I mean, even in Lebanon, it's 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 not exactly in the norm. So for me, when I looked at you and I look at the songs or I look at the music videos, the social media channels, I think it's really cool because it's different and it's going against the norm. And for me, it's going to bring stigma 110%. Yeah, if you sit down and take a selfie, you're going to get stigma. Do you know what I mean? Like there's people are going to hate and, and attack and that's regardless of anything you do. But especially with what you're doing, I can imagine that. So it's it's two sides of the sword, if you want. It's a lot of people probably back home, and I don't know, maybe you can answer me this, were like, wow, you know, look how confident she is, look how expressive she is, and this is really helping me, and thank you for doing what you're doing and for speaking out, and I can really resonate with everything you're talking about. I'm assuming that there was this reaction. Absolutely, and we'll start okay. there because, uh, because why not start with the beautiful stuff? There has absolutely been a huge resonance of of women um trans humans 
um, queer people that have really resonated and, and, you know, have just like, like you said, just said deep thanks for, for, for me taking these steps to say, hey, there's literally nothing shameful about this. So there's been so much support and so much love, you know, within my community, Kamana here in LA. Um, I have, you know, my Arab family here and they've been so incredibly supportive. Um, uh, so there's been so much beauty. Um, and there's also been, you know, a lot of disgust. I think it's really hard for people in Saudi Arabia and anyone from conservative cultures to really see um, a woman being wild and being sexual. <laughs> um, I think it. we are trained to believe that our sexuality is disgusting, kind of everywhere in the world, really. We are trained to believe that our sexuality is separate from things that are good and high and moral. And so there was a lot of disgust, you know, a lot of like, you've lost it you're on drugs, you're possessed. Um, and that used to be really difficult for me, but it has evolved because now I understand that, you know, this is a quote and it's not mine, but like people can only meet you as far as they met themselves. And so whatever anybody is feeling towards me is just, it's just a projection of what they, how they actually feel about their own sexuality. You know, and mm. it's absolutely their right to feel it. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't like, it doesn't punch a hole through my heart anymore. Mm. Um, but I really want to, and so the, yeah, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of cultural backlash, familial backlash, everything, all of that has happened. And I also want to say that like, this is not exclusive to Saudi Arabia. This shit goes mm. down literally everywhere in the world. Sexuality is so repressed. And um, this is a bigger issue. It's not about, it's not even about bodies and sexuality. This is about having a revolution about the way things work. Because right now the way things work is that system tells me, this system tells me how to behave and what's right and okay. And what I'm getting to is no, 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 the system is inside actually. And embracing our bodies and our sexuality is simply a tool to come back to our own inner system. Mm. It's interesting to see how how kind of holistic you view things and, and the way that you think about things. For me, I don't know, maybe I'm going to sound a bit like caveman mentality or, or I'm going to kind of uh, dumbify things. But for me, it's do whatever you want. If you're not harming anyone physically, emotionally, then why the fuck should anyone have it? Okay, let people have opinions, freedom of speech for sure. But why should it concern you? Do you know what I mean? Like I, and this may be something I'm I'm kind of simplifying my my thought process and my logic. But even the people I surround myself with, it's like just do whatever the fuck you want. I mean, if you're not harming anyone, if you're not harming yourself or the people around you, why is this a topic of discussion? Why is this an issue? You know, I I I, I mean that's just kind of how I how I view things. Um. Live and let live. Like, it's not even yeah. simple, but it's super powerful. And, like, nobody on this planet, I mean, a lot of us have, but most people on this planet have not fucking figured that out. Yeah. And I, I don't want to sound like a hippie from Woodstock selling love beads, you know, on, on the side of my caravan. Like, dude, just live and let live. And it's all about freedom and love. But, yeah, kind of, I mean, it kind of is. Just who... 
It kind of is. Like, I mean, you, you make fun of the hippie, but, like, shit, he looks like he has his priorities in line. Like, that seems like a chill life. He doesn't seem like he has any, uh, you know, his brain isn't eating him in from the inside with his anxieties and insecurities. So that's, yeah, 100%. Um, something I did also want to ask you, you know, we, we touched a bit upon the Middle East and, you know, reaction in Saudi Arabia, but coming out to LA in the West, I see a lot of articles about you, and I wanted to get your take on this, that focus a lot more on the your background and where you're from and your religion rather than your music. So I wanted to get your take. Do you, do you see a lot of that happening in the US? Yeah, I think that, yes, I think that absolutely there is a tendency here to really fetishize and sensationalize, you know, our struggles. Um, and my struggle as an Arab woman, as a Muslim woman, as a Saudi woman. And I will say, and I, you know, I talk about this in my one woman show is that it's a really complicated issue. First of all, that doesn't really happen anymore because I fucking, I stopped my woman. What my one woman show was a product of me being so sick of exactly what you're talking about and saying, Khalas, no more interviews. I'm going to write a fucking show about my life. You don't get this. You don't get to narrate my <laughs> life anymore. I'm going to narrate my life. Literally, that's that's where it came from. But it's also super complicated because, you know, my art is totally all about my background, where I come from, reckoning with my definition of God, with what I believe Islam is, with my body, with my mother, with my father. Yani, it's complicated because the truth is that's literally the source of all of my art. Um, mm. Well, command it's complicated because yes, it's sensationalized. Yes, it's fetishized. And also some of it is true. You know, but the notion that I am that I am uh, challenging with my one woman show is stop making our fucking struggle all we are. You know, stop it. Like, I, I'm, I'm really sick of that. I'm sick of our struggles being who we are. And mm. it's so ingrained in me to the point that, you know, this book, Pleasure Activism, that I talked about by Adrienne Marie Brown was really revolutionary for me for so many reasons. But one of them was because I don't know how to embrace, I'm learning, but I really struggle to just like be okay, to be joyous, to be uh, all right. Like I'm not struggling, then shit like what's gonna happen if i'm not struggling is everything like is the world gonna fall apart are people <laughs> gonna forget that i exist am i still going to be loved will i have people around me if i'm not struggling you know and i think that shit runs deep for a lot of us mm. by the way has anyone no, cursed as much as me on this podcast you might you <sighs> I mean, let's quantify what a curse is. You said shit a lot, so that's up. And the so you've, 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 okay. I think you're definitely leading the races for shit. I'm not sure about fuck. I do say fuck a lot. Actually, funnily enough, I had my parents come to me and give me a mini intervention. They're like, please stop saying fuck on the podcast. Like, like our friends watch oh, no. the show. Don't like, let them listen to this. Don't let them listen to this episode. Yeah, Sorry, yeah I'll tell mama, them to mama. avoid. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell them to avoid this episode for sure. Um, no, look, I think a lot of what you're saying is, is, I mean, not even opinion based to me. It's, it's, it's factual. And um, something I did want to get your take on 
Saudi or people now are in this kind of mentality that Saudi is opening up and Saudi has become a lot more liberal than the Saudi I'm sure you grew up in. Women can drive. That's the big thing that everyone is talking about now. Movie theaters are opening up. The art scene is growing at quite a rapid rate. So I wanted to ask you, uh, do you see yourself moving back to Saudi, continuing music there, or is this not something that's viable for the time being? Um... I want nothing more than to be able to go back to my home country and be the artist that I am. Currently, I don't believe that it's viable. Um, and, you know, that's I have this song called Stuck in America that's exactly about this. I get a lot of shit sometimes mm. from people that are like, what are you complaining about? You're in America and you don't even love your country. You could have you stayed here. And I'm like, do you not fucking get it? Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I love my life here, but home is home, you know? Mm. And um, it's uh, my job is to just continue doing me as authentically as possible. And I can't force, I can't force anything to catch up to me or to embrace me. I think where I am is very uh, radical for still, you know, it's too much mm. for right mm. now. And I can see it reflected in the way that, you know, I, People generally like really um, are careful to engage with me, whether it be in a publication or beyond. And that's very telling. And uh, I have so much love and respect for that process. You can't rush mm. it, but I'm not going to wait, you know? And so that's why I'm here. Yeah. You know, you said something I think a lot of people can relate to, especially a lot of our listeners uh, who are, you know, we have a big portion who are Lebanese expats. Like, we don't want to go to the West necessarily or Europe or the US. Not that they're not beautiful places, but we're going there essentially for opportunity, for a better life uh, socially, mentally, but obviously, you know, to get a job and to, to make a career. But who the fuck doesn't want to live back in their homeland? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're ingrained, your, your culture is ingrained, the way you think, the way you act, your mannerisms, your, your social cues, it all, it all stems from your homeland and where you are. And, I can I can bring this back to Lebanon. Lebanon, I'm also kind of very 50-50 and conflicted like you because Lebanon, on one hand, is one of the most stunning places in the world. Uh, it's this beautiful, tiny slice of heaven. And you'll get the usual shtick and bullshit from the mountains to the sea and whatever. Hell. But the, also, it has become so corrupted and so corrosive, especially over this past year, although it's been building up for a while, that... For most people, I would say, I would argue for all people, it's just not viable to live there anymore. Like it's, it does, doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for your well-being physically, emotionally, uh, financially. And we get people coming and talking to us saying, can you talk about how the younger generation should stay and should fight and try to create a better future for Lebanon? I can't do that. You know, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I, I can't be that spokesperson because I can completely understand a young person wanting to leave. It, it, it's it's you know it's heartbreaking but it makes complete sense for their future for 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 their careers for their lives for their loved ones so the life of an arab expat and the life of an expat is fucking tough and it can be shit uh but at least there's a large diaspora out there who can you know we can have chats like this and talk about how uh you know life is a bit tough <laughs> yeah I have goosebumps. Thank you for sharing that. It's um, it's a really difficult journey. 
Um, and it's, it's very sad, but it's also, you know, I think that there's a lot of work to be done in from this space, you know, of constantly feeling in the middle, constantly like feeling like you don't fully belong somewhere. Um, that, that is where we create from. And inshallah, we will create these third spaces that allow people to, you know, come into these third spaces and unfold safely and, and, and know that they belong. But it starts with us. It starts with us creating shit like this. So, yeah, blessings, <laughs> blessings to the journey. Uh, Rotana, it was a pleasure to meet you, a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen you before, where can people check you out? I know you have your YouTube page. By the way, when yeah. you type Rotana into YouTube, you I get, know. which is a bit unfortunate for you, get this fucking massive Saudi music label with 18 million subscribers. So fucking worst. I need to figure yeah. out what to do with my name. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. For your Rotana Empire. Um, yes. <laughs> Instagram, Instagram is really the best place to find me and to follow my work. It's at I am Rutana, I A M R O T A N A, and um, I post everything there. And yeah, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to see you guys on Fucked and Blessed. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, guys, check out Fucked and Blessed, of course. Uh, one of the best names on YouTube, that's for sure. And uh, pleasure talking to you. Hopefully, we can we can do this live sometime soon. Inshallah, Habibi. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Anrami, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm a Sabal. Thank you. Also, we'd love your feedback, so please DM us on Instagram at Fauda2020.